an investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, the last show we'll do in September and closing out the month, getting ready for October. Some nice uh, spooky numbers, I think, are on the horizon, even worse than we're seeing so far. Sam, give us an idea of where we are right now and where we've come so far year to date. Yeah, well, you said it yourself. It's uh, almost spooky season, right? And the stock market, obviously, is definitely spooky these days. Uh, starting off with the Dow Jones, uh, pretty similar to what we've been talking about the past two weeks now, at least. Uh, over the past five days, we're down about 3%. Uh, the month number, last month, we're down about 7.5%. And year to date, we're still down about 20 Uh So not too different from last week, but still not you know very promising. Uh, and even the S&P, it's very similar, down about 3% over the past week. Uh, over the past month, also down about seven and also down about 20 and some change percent about 30 uh, less. I'm sorry, year to date number is the same. Uh, moving on to the NASDAQ over the past week, we're down about 3%. Over the last month, it's about 8% loss. It's very similar to the other two. And or year to date, we're down about 30% there. So that's gone, you know, even worse. Um, the Russell 2 down about 5% over the past week. Over the past month, we're down about 10%. And year to date, we're down about 25%. Jeez. So not sounding too good. Not very fun. Not too good at all. And how can I forget to introduce, we have a special guest today. Really special. Very. He's, <laughs> he's a special person. Special. Very yes. special. David Georgiev, uh, one of the partners here at Monarch Wealth Management. Dave, welcome to the show. And uh, Sam rattled off some really, really fine numbers so far. What do you yeah. think of that? Ouch. You know, I was listening uh, as you were saying it, Sam, and even the Russell 2000, I think you said, was down 10% for the month. I mean, mm -hmm. that's brutal. Brutal. Yep. 25% for the year. NASDAQ's down 30. Um, and uh, a lot of forecasters are saying it's going to get substantially worse before it gets better, which uh, is scary, right? Like, where? what are we headed into? Um, and uh, what can we expect? What are we doing for our clients? I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it today, Cons. But um, it's definitely, I feel like uh, there's a storm cloud, but it's been here all year. I mean, honestly, since the beginning of the year, since uh, the war broke out in Ukraine, um, it's been a whole lot of bad news and there's more bad news to come. Yeah, I know. It's it's like there's no sunshine on the horizon. I, I don't know what to say. Um, you talk to different market experts and leaders and in our industry, and I mean, people that were even the the most bullish in pretty much any environment are now starting to turn negative. They're not so optimistic about things in general. Um, we're going to try to look for some pockets of of optimism. Let's look at some of these sectors that have done um, some better than others. If we start off with the XLE, the Energy Select Spider. Year to date is now up 24.5%. I mean, I think that's been cut in half. That return was approaching 40%. A lot of pressure on these oil and energy stocks right now. Tons of different things going on, a lot of pin action. Um, but I'm not liking that sector as much as I as I used to. 
And I don't know if this is a head fake. I don't know if this is a temporary buying opportunity, but uh, time will tell. How about the financial sector? That's the XLF year to date. It's been trending pretty much in line with the market overall market itself. It's down about 21.5%. So no sunshine there. How about real estate? Well, if you own a house, you're sitting pretty. If you're looking to buy a house, like I said before, Sam, don't don't rush out now and, and buy a home, but prices are starting to come down. If you invest in real estate, we're looking at the XLRE. It's down about 28.5% year to date. Ouch. So, so no safe haven there. How about cryptos? We look at the cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. A lot of fans in the last couple of years, look how much money bragging, how much money I made online. Look at this. It took a couple of clicks and I, I just made a fortune. Year to date, down 66% for the GBTC. That's a grayscale Bitcoin trust. Ethereum, about Ethereum there. 71% year to date. Litecoin. Those coins are down almost 69%. And how about real gold? Just traditional gold, GLD. It's down 8.5% year to date. So those numbers do not look pretty. Um, I don't know what you have to say about those outliers, uh, Dave, but I'd love to hear your take on things. Well, you know, when you look at gold, so we talk about during recessionary times and all of these non-correlating assets that are supposed to be here to help us during these difficult times. This is the whole theory behind diversification. Like, why do we diversify? You know, a little bit of money in a lot of different places. It helps us in rainy days. But when you look at it, things like, uh, I'll tell you, in a rising interest rate environment, uh, financials should be crushing it. They're not. Uh, gold in, a, in inflationary times should be doing well. It's not. Uh, and then the whole buying strategy for crypto years ago was, it's a non-correlating uh, asset when the market takes a nosedive, my crypto is going to be going through the roof because it has nothing to do with the stock market. And it's tanked substantially more than the stock market as a whole. Has nothing to do with anything, right? Yeah. Ask Warren Buffett. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, man. you know, Buffett, who some people say is out of touch, I, I couldn't uh, disagree more. Um, he's like, it's, it's worth, it's like a, a collectible, right? If you have a collectible car, coin, name it, it's only worth what somebody will pay for it. That's exactly what crypto is. It's has no real tangible use for the most part. I mean, you could probably debate, you know, some of the technology within it, but it's just crazy to see not only is it correlated, but it's more volatile than any of the markets that we're talking about from a stock market standpoint. So why do you think we're seeing this uh, big loss across all three of those um, coins cons just talked about? From a crypto standpoint? Yeah. I have no clue. I, I, I am... Does anyone have a clue? I'd love to bring in a crypto expert, yeah, right? You and I have talked about, you know, we don't understand what's making these these coins go up and down. So yeah. unless unless people are just losing money across, like, you know, people that invested in crypto are also heavily invested in the market. So as the market tanks, um, the fear is spreading across even those markets, right? And and again, the theory was that it even when there was fear in the stock market, that there would, the cryptocurrency market would would be just fine. But I think it's just bled over into it. Well, that was wrong then. Yeah, substantially, <laughs> substantially wrong. Um, but it's really surprising to even see gold and, and precious metals uh, hurt the way that they've been hurt. Um, we're typically in an uh, inflationary period. Those are supposed to fare very well. It just kind of, it goes against everything that we've learned in the financial advising or financial planning world of proper diversification. Everything's getting buried right now. We talked about, though, you mentioned energy. 
And, uh, you know, my two cents, and I don't want to get too political, but I'll get a little political. Let's be honest. Um, when I was going to say George Bush, but when Biden got into office, he made some uh, changes and oil prices went up right away. Gas prices went up right away. And the White House is going to say that, well, we, we don't control what the gas price does. So it, it got jacked up to, let's call it, you know, $4.50, almost $5 a gallon, depending on where you are in the country. And now it's dropped to high threes, low fours. So on the way up, they said that there was, they had no control over it. But now that it's dropped, they're touting that they've made changes and that's why the price of gas has dropped. But let's be honest, why is it dropped? Because elections are coming up here. So they want it to look good, but I think that it'll it'll go back up. I don't think it'll go back up to where it was, um, but I think this is just a, a, a head fake, if you will. I think it's a temporary price drop just to look good before the election process. Wow, that got deep real fast. Deep. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management alongside of Constantine Kitronos. I'm Sam Guelli. And of course, our very special guest today, Mr. David Georgiev. Uh, and today we were talking a little bit, guys, about a meeting you had this morning with the client, I guess. And uh, he brought up some pretty interesting topics and questions. Uh, and you, you guys want to just get into that a little bit? Yeah, Absolutely. I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing right now. They're, they're wondering, am I in the right places? Should I continue down this path? Should I be investing? What should I be investing in? Um, but I'll let Dave go ahead and, and um, maybe shed some light on the conversation we had this morning and more about what people are thinking right now. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, so we went to uh, breakfast uh, to one of our clients' uh, restaurants. Phenomenal breakfast, I got to say. Oh, yeah. Hands down, it was yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, and so he's worried, you know, and he's got cash to invest. He wants to invest cash. And he's like, where do I go though? Do I invest in the market? And, and I'd say that for people that are coming to us right now that have cash, that want to invest, um, long-term, the solution, hands down, the market over time will do substantially, you know, wonderful things, depending on your risk tolerance, of course. Um, but assuming you're like a stock person, uh, yeah, long-term you're w winning, but over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, we foresee a, a pretty bumpy ride here in the stock market. So why start off with the, those funds, you know, dropping them into a hole if the market takes another 5, 10, 20% decline from here? Potentially. Will it? You know, I'll tell you when it's over if it did. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, why don't we look for some, uh, some sort of safety in the short term? But we want to keep it short term, especially because interest rates are rising and especially because we don't see that this is the new norm for the next decade, but I mean, just over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, so with that, we said, hey, where can we park this money temporarily, give our client um, some security, give our client a yield, a rate, of, a positive rate of return, and then revisit once, uh, you know, once a year, 18 months, uh, you know, up to maybe two years goes by, where can we put this money? And so Constance, you want to kind of talk about some of the options? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about one thing to point out is that when clients are coming to us, 
and asking is now the time that I should be adding funds or opening an account that's been sitting in savings or cash. Um, we don't offer commissionable products in that sense where a client will come in and buy, let's say a mutual fund that's front loaded, paying five, six plus percent. I think, I think they could even go as high as seven plus by prospectus, depending on the fund. I can't imagine anybody charging that amount of money. I mean, it just seems atrocious, but anyhow, just imagine that in this environment, you make a deposit of a hundred thousand and you pay a 5% upfront commission to buy a mutual fund or a combination of funds from a fund family or a couple. So you're starting off the year negative just from that initial deposit, plus anything else that happens in the market. But uh, to Dave's point, what we do is we find the best solution for the client, regardless of the fund or ETF or stock. And in this case, we're actually talking more and more about individual bonds. So who the hell is talking about bonds right now in this market? We know interest rates are going up. We're not talking about bond mutual funds. We're not talking about bond ETFs. We're subject not only to interest rates and the credit quality of the bonds, but you're also a part of this group that's mutually investing in a number of bonds. And when those people want to get out, guess who pays for it? All the other holders of that fund where they have to liquidate positions uh, that might be underwater or negative, that only makes things worse. So we're able to, to build a custom portfolio for clients that has individual bonds. You hold those bonds, the maturity, and we're talking about maturities that are very short term, 12 months, 18 months, 16 months. You, you, we could even look at three or four month maturities. Buying some that are trading maybe even at a discount or a slight premium to capture some positive return for our clients. Now, that strategy, you know, hasn't worked very well in the last decade. It just hasn't. We've been in a declining interest rate environment. Some of those bonds appreciated in value. Now bonds, the interest rates are going up. So it gets hard. Now, now our strategy is not to buy and, and trade the bonds, but buy them and hold them to maturity, collect maybe three plus percent, four percent, maybe in some cases five plus percent, and actually get a positive rate of return. Now we talked about inflation and some of the challenges we have. Think about what we're, what we're discussing right now. Is a, is a decent investment option, something that's making three or four or 5%. What's inflation? Yeah, eight and a half. Eight and a half. It's, it's not even keeping up with inflation. Yeah. But we're choosing the lesser of two evils, right? So it's either potential loss in the next 10 to 12 months of let's call it 10 to maybe 20% further from where we are now, or maybe a three or 4% rate of return that's actually positive, protecting principal. And like Dave said, the best hedge against inflation long-term is the stock market. There's no better place to do this. Making 3 or 4% for the next 30 years, you're big-time negative, even though your statement might show a positive uh, value. Yeah, but Cons, what would you say, and I, I know the answer, but what would you say to somebody that's already invested in the market? So somebody that's already down, uh, theoretically, call it 15 20%. Are you pulling out? Are you, are you doing something different? Or I guess go, go for it. Yeah. So th that question comes up a lot. Why am I investing? Do I just get out of the market? I'll just throw up my savings account and we'll jump back in when things are better. When are things going to be better? Sure. Which month is it? You know that. Maybe Sam knows it. No one knows it. I was going to no say, one I knows. no idea. <laughs> and, and Sam's like, wait a minute, am I right. supposed to know yeah. this? Yeah. And no one knows it. You know, we're considered the quote unquote market experts, right? We've got all this information at our disposal. Yeah. Like we mentioned before, the market acts in an irrational way. There's conventional wisdom that we learned about rising rates and what you should be investing in. Gold being a good hedge against inflation. 
Well, that's not working now. So all the things that you think should happen with all the data that you have in front of you doesn't always work out. You know, it's like when you go to operate on a, on a patient and you have X, Y, and Z, you've run blood work and you've done tests and you think this will happen and something goes wrong, right? We've got all the, all the tools that we need to succeed. And in some short durations of periods of time, we're not right, right? That, that can happen. Yeah. And I think the one thing to think about too is, and this is what I tell people all the time, um, you know, is asking some very basic questions is, has your time table change has your the, you know the, the amount of time until you need this money has that changed well no well has your uh objectives changed well no i want this to grow okay so your time period hasn't changed your objectives haven't changed it has your risk tolerance changed oh well yeah it has right like now i'm down 20 percent. so the last <laughs> decade when i was making money hand over fist i had no problem taking on risk but now that i'm losing and let's be honest if you've been investing with us um you're losing some of the gains you've made over the last decade. I mean, that's the truth. This is not your principle coming out. Um, again, had you been invested over the last, you know, even several years, um, your average rate of return is still looking pretty sweet. Even through this uh, horrible market, uh, your average rate of return is looking pretty nice. Um, and, and we had this during COVID, if you remember. Um, what was it? March of 2020. Uh to into early April, the market took a 25% nosedive in like three and a half weeks. It was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And I had a small handful of people calling me concerned, rightfully so, right? And some people were, you know, doom and gloom, uh, you know, get used to living in a cave because it's like, we're never going to, you know, talk to other people face to face again. This is the apocalypse of viruses. You know, it was just some scary times there, if you will. And obviously some people take it a little, you know, overboard. <laughs> it's all good. Fear is a crazy thing. Um, and the, uh, media today doesn't help that. Uh, and so I would ask people and they'd say, well, you know, um, should I sell out? Should I sell out? Well, has your time period changed? Well, no. Well, has, have your objectives changed? Well, no. Well, has your risk changed? Well, maybe I don't like this. Okay. Well, listen to me carefully. If you believe that your risk tolerance has changed now feeling the pain of losing 15, 20, 25% of your portfolio, let's wait for this to rebound. And I know you don't like this answer, but hear me out. Let's wait for this to rebound and eventually it will rebound. If you look at any history of the market, even going back through the Great Depression, and once this gets back to your original balance before the decline, at that point, we can scale back. Okay, Dave, thank you for your time. In that situation, which is substantially different than today, um, market was down and within a couple weeks after it took a 25% dip, the market came roaring back, right? So those same people I call up, Hey, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Jones, uh, we've now made back your principal. You're back to where you were pre-market correction. Let's scale back that risk now, right? That's what you wanted to do. Oh, never mind, Dave. Everything's yeah. fine oh, now. Everything's right? great like, now, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm good now. So it goes to show you that that their their risk tolerance hasn't changed. It's just the truth of it, and it's all psychological. Mm. Nobody likes losing money, and I can tell you that in being in this industry for almost 18 years now, 17, 18 years, that People hate losing money more than they like making money. Like, Absolutely. You kind of have to think about that, yeah, right? It like, definitely makes sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. But, um, you know, no, no <laughs> I still remember it was like peak 17, 18, maybe 19, uh, 2019. And, um, you know, I have a 75, 76 year old lady calling me making money hand over fist. And she's like, Dave, I think we should go more aggressive. <laughs> and like, that should scare the snot out of you. Like when a 76 year old lady's like, I want to 
you know, sell out of bonds and buy stocks. Like that's mm. euphoria, which is also an emotion, right? Yeah. And we have to be careful of that acting and investing emotionally. Cause when you do that, you're going to make a bad decision. I don't care how it is, whether it's in euphoria or fear, you're going to make a bad decision. So trying to avoid that, trying to remain even keeled, logical is the way that you survive these. And in the meantime, it stinks. I know you, you see your statements and it's not fun, um, but hang on. Cause but you know, the, the sun will come up again. The rainbow will, will pop out again. We love metaphors. Sam knows this. We do yeah. the show. I, I try to correlate like anything that happens in the market. I try to like dummy it down to something I know or understand. So I'm thinking of this, like when you mention what are we do, are we selling out of all their stocks and buying fixed income? And think of it like navigating. You're on a long trip. You're on your, your boat, right? And you, you see the end point, you know where you're going. And all of a sudden we get a gust of wind and we get some storms coming in and it blows you off course a little bit, right? Are you going to act crazy and, and grab the wheel and just turn it and your, your boat's going left and right? No, it's small tweaks. And that's what I would say is important is understand your risk tolerance. Hey, let's face it. In the next 10 years, if we look back, do you think you're going to remember if you made a couple tweaks to your bonds, to your stocks, bought some alternatives, bought some different sectors, um, I think regardless of what happens in the next 10 years, if you're investing in good, solid companies, wherever, whether you go to cash and, and try to get back in, you're not going to remember those things. In the next 10 years, you're going to look back and say, wow, my returns look good. My statements look fantastic. So I think it's small tweaks. It's not acting in a, a, a crazy manner, um, getting, letting the emotions get the best of you and selling out and going completely to cash. Yeah. Agree. Make sense? Absolutely. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Pennywise Financial. Uh, I am your guest host, Dave Georgiev. I have Sam Gwelly here with us, along with the king himself, Constantine Kitchenos. Um, king himself. Hopefully it's not the Bond King. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think you're the Hurricane King because you, ha you have all the research on it. Uh, we're talking current events right now. And uh, Hurricane, is it Ian? Hurricane Ian? Ian, yep. Um, it's about to... Uh, uh, hammer. Hammer. Terrorize uh, uh, parts of Florida here. And we're looking at it. Uh, I think it's a, a several hours away from landfall. Um, it's coming up. It looks like it's going to hit just south of Tampa. Um, my dad has a place just north of Tampa. So we're kind of... Uh, hoping that it avoids that, but obviously we just uh, we're hoping and praying for uh, good outcomes and no no injuries, no deaths, and uh, you know limited uh, catastrophe as far as uh, houses and things like that. I was just watching before we uh, came down for the podcast that they were saying that uh, I think seven, I might be wrong. I thought it said seven insurance companies have gone out of business in like the last two years in Florida, and like people are leaving the state. I should say insurance agencies are leaving the state because of the liability. I was going to say, there. I think oh. people are flocking, flocking yeah, state. yeah, yeah, yeah. But insurance agencies are leaving the state. Um, they're already saying that financially, uh, a lot of these insurance companies won't be able to pay for like the damages and stuff like that. But I don't know how that's possible. I mean, 
how can you be in, like, how can you do business in that state? Like I know, you know, for all the garbage that we hate about New York state, the taxes and all the, you know, just political ambiance of just baloney, um, the, the protection that they have, that they give like from an insurance uh, liability standpoint, like if insurance agencies go out of New uh, business in New York state, you're insured up to, what is it? A half a million dollars versus the 250. Oh, I haven't even seen those numbers in a long time. Yeah, that con- last time I had that talk, that conversation was 2008. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because everyone was worried about, you know, buying life insurance or yeah. fixed annuities or whatever product that was backed by an insurance company. What's a credit quality? What's their rating? How long they've been around? What does their cash balances look like? Yeah. Yeah, it was scary times in 08. Um, but just looking at it, I just don't know how that they how they can even operate if you don't have the bandwidth to properly take care of the people that you're insuring, right? Yeah. I'd love to have an insurance broker come on here that that sells property and casualty, like homeowners and things like that, and and talk about that. Like down in Florida, I mean, like you said, let's say it's and we all have family down there and and, and some properties and whatnot. And uh, I hope that everything goes well, obviously, and and people stay safe. Um, but then the the financial side of things. So when you think about people's homes and where they live and and work and play, and if you have a city that's destroyed. And these insurance companies can't rebuild it. What happened? Is it like a dead city? Nobody, nobody ever. I mean, if you've got a mortgage on a house that's worth six hundred thousand, and the mortgage balance is four hundred thousand, and your house is destroyed, but insurance won't cover it, what happens? Yeah. Just walk away and say, "Oh, too bad. Oh well." I mean, I got to think the government steps in at that point, right? I would think. I would hope so. It's yeah, a, it's an act so of God. I mean, that's people, you know, go on with no homes. I couldn't right? imagine that. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time in history that we've dealt with a tornado, a hurricane, a earthquake. You know, we've these things happen. Yeah, yeah. But there's different clauses, and and they, that's a that's a good and bad part about insurance is that um, you got to be a, a, an attorney to read the documents to know what's actually covered or not. Yeah. Any kind of insurance, whether it be an insurance product for your car, like an auto warranty. Uh, uh, you think of the, what was the old uh, policies that a lot of the banks would give out for free, quote unquote. And some of them even charge like five, 10 bucks a month for premium. What was it AD&D? Yeah. Accidental death and dismemberment. Remember yeah. those policies? Oh, yeah. They only pay out if certain circumstances happen. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Pennies on the dollar. And I always remember the the instructor that uh, trained us on life insurance. And this was back in, I mean- Oh three, oh four, and he was an older gentleman, so he's very frank with us, and he cut cut the baloney out. But he goes, those policies, um, you pay next to nothing, but that's how they that's how they make their money. Is like, oh, this only cost me two dollars and fifty cents a month. I'll just keep it. But they said that he he said something along the lines of the the probability of that actually paying out over time is very slim. And the example he gave us, which I'll never forget, was say you're driving in a car and you're driving up this mountain, right? And the, there's a banana peel in the road. And the play Mario Kart? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> so you, you're driving on this car, in this car and you, the car slips on the banana peel and falls off the cliff, right? It was an accident, right? So your accidental death and dismemberment policy should, should cover that. So you were in a car accident, right? Makes sense. But no. So the insurance company denies the claim. And one's like, well, how can they deny the claim? Well, they say that after the death, they, uh, you know, they took your, I want to say vitals, but you know what I mean? Like they do the like aut- autopsy, autopsy mm-hmm. and they, they find out that at the time of death, you had elevated blood pressure. 
Well, you have elevated blood pressure because you're flying off a cliff because you slipped on a banana peel. But now they'll label it health-related instead of an accident. So now the insurance company keeps all your years of premium and never pays the family the death benefit. And that was the example that the insurance uh, agent uh, gave us. And he was the instructor of the class. And he's like, that's why... Um, AD&D insurance for the most part, like we don't endorse it. We don't like it um, because it's, it really is a ripoff. Yeah. I was going to say that almost seems illegal. Like they can just, they can just right. lie and say, oh, your heart rate is elevated. Yeah. But like you said, yeah. Cause you're going down a hill. Yeah. Like insurance companies are no, uh, <clears throat> no dummies. They know how to uh, make sure that they, 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 they make out. Yeah. And you look, there's some of the wealthiest companies in the world are insurance companies. Um, Stability, pay dividends. Warren Buffett owns a lot of them. Yeah, right? he does. He does. Banks, financials. They also never owned uh, Apple until what a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah, because they're a value shop. Correct. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So, so I guess I don't know how that's going to shake out. Hopefully, that the storm uh, is a little milder than we expect. But what is it, 155 mile an hour winds? Yeah, just about a category five. It's just yeah. a, like a little bit under that. But. I saw something that said almost 3 million people were ordered to evacuate. Yeah. Which is, if you think about it, insane. Yeah, there's already 155,000 residents that don't have power right now. 155,000. Yeah, hasn't even made landfall yet. So how's your EV uh, electric vehicle uh, mm. doing right now where you're traveling <laughs> from Miami or let's call it Key West, and you got to head to Jacksonville. You're going to make it, yeah. what, four hours, maybe, if you're lucky? I don't think you can even continue that trip. Right no, because yeah. you're probably stuck on the. Think about it. Like, you've been down in Florida. Those roads get so congested, and now it's panic because everybody has to leave. Mm -hmm. So it's gridlock. You're just staying still, wasting, draining your battery. And it's not like a quick charge, like, oh, I'll just go fill up for 30 seconds. My gas is full, and I can go. You got to charge for what? Four hours? Five hours? Yeah. They actually just said it's at the past the point of safe evacuation at this point. Wow. And like so we're just stay put at this point if you're there. Yeah. Hunker wow. down. And we were talking about it earlier. My my dad who has a house just north of Tampa, who he moved down there. I don't know five years ago. Um, he's in Macedonia right now. You know, he's finishing up his European adventure with my uncle. But um, if he was there, I guarantee he wouldn't have left. Like they're so stubborn, like these mm. old European <laughs> men, like he would have. You're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Ah, David, it's fine. And you just, I lock the door. No problem. You know, <laughs> as literally be as like rationale. <laughs> I got beer in the fridge. It's okay. You know, like it's, it's crazy how, you know, it, at the end of the day, nobody wants their property damaged and stuff, but destroy the house. Keep, you know, keep my dad safe. That's, you know, and, and all these people. So I hope. Uh, they, most of the people in Florida make better decisions than my father would have, quite honestly, you know, but hopefully this thing just kind of breezes through and dies down real quick, especially once it hits land. I mean, hopefully that it loses its steam very quickly. I think they usually do. I was looking at yeah. projections um, and they said it, it like it, like it is now it's borderline a category five, but once it hits land and it's been on land for a little bit, it, they say it's going to drop down to category one immediately. And then also. Right after that, it's just going to be considered a tropical storm at that point. So, like you said, once it hits land, it goes you know down significantly, but it's sure. still really scary in the beginning, uh, you know, right when it makes landfall. So, for and sure. I think the Gulf doesn't really get that many storms to come through, right? Like no. hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever. No, no, 
Speaking of the golf, like totally unrelated, but I guess Uh-oh. since we're talking about the golf, uh, do you guys remember, it was, I don't know, a decade ago. Do you remember when that oil rig thing exploded? Yeah. Yeah. Was that BP? BP. Yeah. BP. yeah, it was BP. It was there. It was leaking for several months, I think, right? Yeah. But do you yeah. remember at first the like media was like, oh my gosh, like, um, you know, the, the pictures of like seagulls, like engulfed in the oil. The show yeah. cleaning up. <laughs> Yeah, but like you saw that that was like the whole coast of Florida, the Gulf Coast was going to look like that. And then after it just kind of disappeared, the whole news story and everything about it. And I didn't see anything like like that as far as the beaches in Florida. Do you guys remember? Like it almost just disappeared. And then it was like, oh, no big deal. I think I was in sixth grade, so I don't really <laughs> know that much. Wow. Was it that long ago? I think so, yeah. But he's not that old. I mean, yeah. That's wow. probably what? Would that be 15 years ago? Uh, just about. Uh, I guess it was longer than I thought. Yeah. And they well, made that movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Who did? What movie? The movie about the, the oil rig. I don't that was know. It was a great movie. Kurt Russell was you in know it. It was called been great. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it was it? so good. It was so good. We I haven't seen it or heard yeah. of it, and he doesn't remember but it. But I'm a big, you know, Mark Wahlberg. So if he's a fan of his, so if he's in a movie, I'm probably going to watch it. But it was like a good action packed movie that talked about how, and I don't know how closely correlated to the truth it was, but how BP um, agents or whatever were, were on the rig testing it. And um, they ignored a ton of like. Red flags. Correct. Like, Hey, this is not normal. And you know, it's all about profit for a lot of these big corporations. But um, yeah, I just, I just thought it was crazy how like at first in the media it was supposed to be the, Oh my gosh, you know, all the beaches on that, that, that coast of Florida, or would that be the West coast of Florida are going to be covered in oil and, you know, sut or whatever you want to call that disgusting stuff. And then it was nothing. And all the beaches were like, fine. So did they contain it that well? I don't know. It just reminds me of manipulation from a mark, you know, from a, I was going to say how many of those people were shorting BP stock when it got murdered in, in saying those stories and sharing them. I didn't hear many of the stories. Watch out for that, Mike. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't hear much of the, this about the beaches itself, but I did see the damage and I knew it was going to be big to clean up. Interesting on my way to work this morning, I did hear about a new partnership with BP. It's funny. You mentioned BP. Did you guys hear about it? Mm -hmm. They're partnering with Hertz. And so BP is known for oil, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They're coming up with infrastructure to charge these new electric vehicles. Yeah, they're setting up states. So you think about like the newer companies that are small. Think of the cost. So like uh, Plug Power and Blink and all these stations. Now, you don't see too many. The only ones I've actually seen so far is Tesla. Mm-hmm. So um, they just put in a new station out in Victor. They had to dig up the ground. They had to run special cables to charge these stations. Eastview Mall has some. They have them in parking garages downtown. But um, when you think of the smaller companies, the amount of capital that's required just to put the stations out there. And now mind you, what is it? Maybe 5% of vehicles on the road, not even, are electric or hybrid. Yeah. And they're talking that by 2030, we have this mandate where 50% of the vehicles should be electric, electric only. And that seems insane to me. I don't know how you guys feel about like those mandates where they're banning this, like the, uh, what is it? The manufacture of gas powered vehicles by 20, what was it? 40 or something 2035, like that. 20, 2035. Yeah. 2035 is in California. That was in California. I, I heard they're going to do it in New York too. Probably. Um, But I, I feel like more and more people are going to switch to EVs anyway. At least that's kind of what I've seen. I just can never 
I can never understand shifting to something that's so reliant and dependent on a grid that's not even established or ready for that. And it's not quick. Like we mentioned, like mm-hmm. people trying to evacuate, like in this situation right now, let's say we were hundred percent EV. It'd be a mess. Yeah. There'd be a no, lot of people that would yeah. be dead on the road. There, there's no infrastructure. Uh, and let me ask you this. So right now you go to charge at Eastview Mall. It's free, right? Free no, charging station. is free. Oh, because originally no, that's, they were, up. they were um, you pay free charging it. stations. But I was going to say, uh, do you think that's going to stay? Like if no way. the majority of people switch to electric, that you're going to go like, the, and, and they're like, save money on gas by going electric. And it's like, you're just going to be paying a higher electric <laughs> bill. Like, are, are people dumb enough to just fall for that? I, I don't understand. Um, I think it's crazy. And I'm not against uh, EV at all, but I think that there's a, a realistic balance between all of these sources of power, whether it's uh, nuclear, uh, natural gas, um, regular gas, uh, electric, windmills, solar, like all of that stuff. I think it has a place. There, there's a, a, a balance there that somebody can tell you substantially smarter than myself about what that balance looks like. Because make no mistake about it, you might be saving in, um, what do they say, emissions by like getting rid of gas powered cars and things like that. But electricity has its own set of emissions that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Like there's a byproduct to everything you do. Yeah, um, for sure. But we don't focus on that. The media doesn't focus on that, I should say. I just think uh, some of these EVs look pretty sweet. And that's why I like them. Really? <laughs> and they're fast. So If I'm being honest, most of the EVs, there's a couple of Teslas that look okay to me. I think look ugly. Yeah, like like we've, like we've insanely disgusting. Like the the ones they have out like right now and that are available are ugly as hell. But uh, there's some ones coming out. I think there's a Cadillac coming out, an EV Cadillac, which is pretty cool. I think I saw uh, an EV Challenger. Really? Oh, pretty, pretty mint. Yeah, that'd honestly. probably be pretty cool. You guys remember back in the day the prototypes for these um, solar cars, and then they were hybrid. They had solar panel. They looked ugly as sin. And even the EVs that are on the why does the, why does the car just because it's electric have to look so different? Couldn't it just be the same car, but yeah. instead of putting gas in yeah. it, yeah. like they almost make it look futuristic, like to the point where it sticks out like a sore thumb mm. a lot of the time. Just my opinion. I mean, yeah, but we don't care what you have to say, buddy. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how we got on that topic, but we yeah. uh, we we kind of ran with it. I mean, I'm curious to see how all these stocks and they were the hotter stocks like in the last year or two. The tech stocks, the 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 idea, the conceptual uh, type stocks that don't make any money yet. They don't have contracts. I mean, yeah. you think about um, the big contract they were going to have with, I don't know if it was Lucid or one of the other EV makers with the post office. And you already know the financial status of the post office almost <laughs> bankrupt many times. So, um, you know, without making money with a rising inflation, rising interest rates, I can't imagine those places are good places to hang out right now. Yeah. And you don't hear from those people that were bragging about how much money they made. You don't hear about them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, those, all those things are getting like crushed right now. Um, but I'd even say like you were talking about the the post office, like Elon Musk, I think was the one that said this, like we, all these people that are like, you know, forget, you know, big corporations and they're always fighting against big corporation. The government is the biggest corporation out there. And you see the way they run anything from the post office to social security to welfare. And it's, it's totally mismanaged. It's, it's horrible. Um, but yet so many Americans want bigger government and more, more things to be dependent on the government. And it's like, 
they're a big corporation. That's the best way to look at it. And their track record is not that great. Mm -hmm. So why <laughs> would we give them more responsibility and more, uh, more power, which is just dangerous in my opinion. Uh, we could go on and on about the government yeah. and politics, I'm sure. But um, we've given you a little taste of, of what we're going to be talking about more of at our event on October 14th. If you don't know about it, I'm going to have a link in the uh, podcast episode. Click on the link. You can uh, register for that event. 1130 on Friday the 14th at Nochino out in Victor. We'll have a couple of market experts. Dave and myself will be there. Love to have you and, and meet with you if you're uh, not an existing client or if you are a current client, want to hear a little bit more from us. Love to see you uh, for that event. Sounds great. With that, I think that's all the time we have today. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine and Sam Gwelly with our special guest, Dave Georgiev. Thanks again, everyone. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.